0: Young, back to throw. In trouble. He's going to be sacked. No, gets away. He runs, gets away again, goes to the 40, gets away again, to the 35, cuts back at the 30, to the 20, the 50, the 10. He dies. Touchdown 49ers.
1: What's up, faithful? Al Sacco, Zane 49ers Web Zone, No Huddle Podcast, and what a difference two weeks makes. Two weeks ago, we we're getting ready to bury. The 49ers. We were getting ready to hold a funeral for the 2020 49ers football season. And now here we are after a couple convincing, dominating 2019 like victories over the Rams and the artists formerly known as the Patriots. Now we're back talking about playoff thing
2: I can't believe it. I can't believe that they we were talking about if they can they can get like one win out of the next four, they may have a chance, but they've basically got at the very worst got a split now out uh, of these these four games which we call the, the gauntlet plus i guess the Remake game if you want to call it that too but i was not expecting what we saw against the patriots i was not expecting that as everybody knows i picked against the 49ers because i was like it's bill belichick it's the patriots they haven't won back they haven't lost back-to-back games in i don't know some like 20 years or something like that at home and the niners came out and they scored an opening drive touchdown i think it was the first time in like I don't know, four years, I think, or something like that, that any team had scored on the opening drive in, in New England. So they were doing things that teams didn't do to New England, and they made them look like nothing. It was so impressive. Great, 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 great game plan by Kyle. Jimmy was good at the size that one interception. We'll get, we'll get to him later. The running backs were fantastic. Jeff Wilson, wow. I, you know what pisses me off about Jeff Wilson? He was on the bench for most of the Super Bowl. That's what pisses me off is that that guy is a touchdown machine and we saw a little bit of what he, what he can do before he went out the high ankle sprain, yet another injury, which we will also get into, but he was fantastic and all around great performance. The defense was great. He had four interceptions on the day. I mean, I, it, just an A plus performance to everybody.
1: Jeff Wilson now has 10 career touchdowns and just 152 total touches. You're he right. He's been a touchdown machine and in in, this was really the first extended look we've got him since 2018 when there wasn't a lot of team around him and he just was fantastic over hundred yards, three touchdowns. He ran hard. He ran vicious. He ran through the Patriots. It was, it was just a great thing to watch because when's the last time you saw a Niners running back, just kind of, you know, run through people and run that hard. It was, it was awesome to see. And the Niners did dominate this game, 467 total yards to 241 for the Patriots. It was just from the st- from the whistle, just a complete and utter ass kicking. And it was great to see I mean, I know the Patriots aren't the Patriots anymore, but still just for the Niners going to Foxborough and, and do what they did to them. It was great to see. Jimmy, I thought probably at his best game of the season mm-hmm. I would think are pretty close. I thought he played better than he did last week overall. Really did. thought he played a really good game. Um, offensive line was good. The running backs were good. Brandon Ayuk looks like a legit, legit It's about Oh my God, how long has it been since so we've been able to say that? A legit <laughs> receiver. I mean, I love Debo. I think gadgety. And that's not a knock on him. He just, he does, you know, they're going to run him and all sorts of different things. I know they run a Dameron Iuke too, but with those long arms and getting downfield and getting open and, and the routes that he's running, he looks like this. I want to say the first guy since TO, because that's high praise. We got to wait and see what happens, but he looks like he's on his way in this defense with Robert Salah. And we'll get more into that too. Just keep waiting for him to, to break and, you know, we'll see what this next stretch, but they haven't done it yet. Zane. And Zane, I wanted to start off. You said, we're going to get into Jimmy. And I know, you and I don't disagree that much, and we, we do disagree on this a little bit because I know you're still pretty big on Jimmy. I like Jimmy, but Jimmy's not doing what I thought he would this year in terms of taking the next step, so I'm a little down on him. So I wanted to do a little something, and I did this one I, – I think it was just Stats and Levin. I came on just randomly when I was off the show for one time, but we went through – it was in the offseason. What quarterbacks would you take over Jimmy? Mm-hmm. And we had a certain amount. I remember what it was, but I haven't done that with you, and some time has passed and he's passed. So I want to go through – I'm going to go through every team in the NFL. I'm, I'm going to make a list and we'll just go through and see how many starting quarterbacks. And I mean, guys, that, I'm going to include guys that are hurt, le- legitimate starting quarterbacks who start on their team. What do we take over? Zimmy. Jimmy. Zimmy. Jimmy. Are you ready to go for this? That's, that's Jimmy's brother.
2: That's also related to me, right? Jimmy. Zimmy. <laughs>
1: Z- Z- Zimmy. Zimmy. Zimmy Giroppolo. Zim- um, Long day. All right. So, Zane, this is going to be telling, dude. Are you ra- Are you ready for this? Let's do it. All right, let's do it. We'll start in our division. Russell Wilson.
0: Yes, absolutely. MVP. Yeah, absolutely right. No brainer. Okay. Kyler Murray.
2: Right now? Uh, no. No, I would take Murray. I would not. Right, Murray, I would go Murray. Zane, Kyler Zane. Murray is... Uh, w- are we getting his blame rationale
1: here? Or are we just going to do the list? And then, and then- yeah, absolutely. This is our show, Zane. We can do whatever the hell we want to.
2: <laughs> I, just wanna, I don't, I don't want to mess up your thing, right? Uh, so here's... Kyler Murray is a fantastic athlete. He's not a quarterback yet. He's an athlete who plays quarterback. So he's still learning to play the position. He was a two-sport star, so he's, he's just really learning some of the nuances. And the fact that he has – I mean, if you give Jim, Jimmy DeAndre Hopkins and like Larry Fitzgerald to throw to you, I'm sure he would look great too. But I'm not sure Kyler Murray is there yet. He had that stinker of a game last week where he only completed nine passes. He threw – he had a three-interception game earlier the season. So I, I just don't think that he's he's there yet um but i think that probably by the end of the season my 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 answer will change that
1: he did have the stinker 37% completion 9 of 24 against dallas but other games 65% 68% 65 77 73 and 71 i'm going to go with kyler there i may get some heat beaten, for that but i'm going to go with kyler he's
2: also beaten the the uh they played washington and i mean well dallas as well obviously but uh the jets as well didn't they so i mean it's not like you know, yeah. I, I see how he does against elite teams, but I, I, again, he did beat Seattle, so that that is one thing. So, all right, Jared Goff. No, no, I think Jared Goff is no, a product of Tom McVay system. I don't think he's very accurate. I don't think he's as good as Jimmy. I think he has a better arm and a slightly better deep ball, but uh, I think that Jimmy's still a better quarterback.
1: Yeah, I've seen, yeah he's been so especially this year. I've seen him miss so many passes.
0: Yeah, I'm not I'm not a golf guy really. Mm-hmm. Matt Ryan.
2: Um, I take Matt Ryan over Jimmy, I think, because of the career accomplishment. Yeah. He's not, lately, he hasn't been as good. I mean, this year's been doing okay, but like lately, the last couple of years, after, it's coincidentally after Kyle left, the Falcons kind of went in the tank. But I'd like to see what Matt Ryan does without Julio Jones. But I mean, like, he's still like a Pro Bowl uh, former MVP quarterback. So I take Matt Ryan.
1: Yeah. I mean, we saw what he did in Shanahan's offense, he won the MVP. You know, guy should have won the Super Bowl, so you got you got to take him. Mm-hmm. Teddy Bridgewater. Nope.
0: I'd take Jimmy. Uh, I would probably take Jimmy, too.
1: Yeah. This one's going to be tough for me. Drew Brees.
2: Oh, man. He's declining. He's declining so hard right now, But and their offense is looking a lot like the 49ers. A lot of short, quick, dump-off passes and, and gadget things, and uh, Stats' favorite player ever, Taysom Hill, in that offense, but <laughs> uh, gosh, just because of pedigree i have to go with breeze but like current performance like they're almost they're very similar right now believe it or not
1: i agree i think but i agree with you too and that i think the pedigree puts you over the top and also i trust him to make less mistakes than jimmy would so i think i, I would go with breeze there yeah tom brady i mean I, yeah, <laughs> there's no question there's no question there right. he's insane yeah. he's been insane this year yeah it's yeah. it's And I'm not going to get into the Niners shit or whatever. He's on Tampa Bay, whatever. But he looks great this year. You got to go with Brady. Um, Kyle Shanahan's boyfriend, Kirk Cousins. (laughs) Kirk Cousins and Jimmy all day. Kirk Cousins is terrible. (laughs) Agree, yeah. I I don't want want any part of Cousins. I'm still not convinced he's not going to be on the 49ers at some point, but I want no part of him. I know,
2: I know. Dude, if he comes... Okay, so as an aside here, if you're going to get rid of Jimmy, which is a a distinct possibility after the season, especially if Jimmy struggles, and if Jimmy doesn't restructure his contract, which they're going to ask him to do for sure in the offseason, you're going to end up maybe with Kirk Cousins. And if that is the backup plan and Kyle Shanahan hitches his wagon to Kirk Cousins, th- he's going to get him fired. Like, that's it. That's it for Shanahan. Because we, uh, like, Jimmy's won six, 76% of his games. We, don't, we, we forget that. He's number four all-time in winning percentage with minimum 30 starts. It was uh, It's Lamar Jackson, Mahomes, Brady, Jimmy. That's how it goes. So, if you replace Jimmy, that's the bar. Honestly, because it's about wins and losses, right? That's the bar you have to get to. So you better damn well have a replacement that's going to be meeting that bar or exceeding it. So that we'll, I'll expand on that later, but I just wanted to throw that in.
1: Kirk Cousins as a starter is forty five and two. Even with Minnesota, who everybody was thought you know he was going to come in there and win a lot of games, I did nineteen seventeen and one. So yeah, Cousins hasn't. Yeah, Cousins is garbage. Don't understand Kyle, but with the cousins thing, but yeah, he's garbage anyway. Moving
0: on, Matthew Stafford. Um,
2: he's good on a lot of bad teams. Like a lot of the Detroit teams have been really bad, and he's had to throw a lot because he's never had a really good running back. And I kind of, I kind of wonder what he would do if he ever had a, a really good running back. So. This is like almost a push for me, but because Stafford has has had the numbers in the past, I would give a slight edge to Stafford and winning. I, I I outright give the edge to Jimmy in winning, in terms of like performance. Uh, Stafford, I'm gonna can, can we push?
0: No, <laughs> <We're not welcome. laughs> it's a yes or no. Okay, I'll take Jimmy over Stafford. Yeah, he he wins. Stafford okay, doesn't. all right, okay, yeah, okay. So if it's a push, you take Jimmy, right? If it's a push, I'll probably take Jimmy. Yeah, yeah. All right, Nick Foles. Jimmy, all day over Foles. I know Foles beat
2: Brady, but I mean, that's like literally like he got hot for the playoffs and he played Doug Peterson's gimmicky offense. They, ran, they wrote a bunch of gimmicks to the championship. Uh, Jimmy, you see what he's doing in, in in Chicago right now. Foles has been barely, uh, barely serviceable over there. So uh, should we do
0: Trubisky Great. as well? He was a starter or no? I mean, we could. It's I'd still take Jimmy over him without a doubt. So Yeah. Okay, uh Aaron Rodgers, you're gonna have to talk about it. Yeah, no question.
1: Yeah, no no question. All right. This is an interesting division. Um let's start with the uninteresting ones. Daniel Jones. No question, Jimmy. N- yeah, no way. Uh, Kyle Allen, I guess, in Washington. I mean, yeah. No question. Yeah, I got no question. Even with
2: Haskins, even with Alex Smith, that's still get Jimmy for all, over all of them.
1: Agree. Although when we talk about QB wins, I got a good Alex Smith stat for you when we get into that later. Mm-hmm. What a good show we got. Oh, I can't wait to get into all this stuff. <laughs> all right. Anyway,
2: Car- Car- Carson Wentz. I think Jimmy over Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz is declining. Uh, he, again, after that ACL injury, it was just never the same. I think Jimmy over Wentz.
1: I saw Wentz have an MVP year. I I think he's had a rough go of it in Philly lately. I don't think he's got a lot of weapons. Again, I think of him this quarterback in Kyle Shanahan's offense, I would take Wentz. Um, Dak Prescott. I take Dak
2: because of the body of work. Yep. Except I question what he would do without an offensive line because they have the biggest offensive line in football in Dallas. So I question what he would do behind a patchwork offensive
1: line like the Niners have. See what's happening in Dallas without him. And it kind of makes me appreciate him even more. And again, putting a quarterback like him who could move with Kyle. Oh, man, I think sky's the limit.
2: All right, so in the NFC... All right, that's my backup plan there, Al. No, go ahead. It's got to be Dak. Like, if the Niners move on from Jimmy, it has to be for Dak Prescott. Because they're already not paying him. And now he has the ankle, uh, the, the broken leg that he's coming back from. He's without a contract next year. Dallas may be in prime position to pick a quarterback in the draft or sign somebody and that's the one guy that i'm like i I would take right now over jimmy in terms of if if there was like a change that's that would be available
1: i mean if dallas goes 2-14 and and they got a chance at justin fields maybe maybe that happens i mean crazier things have happened Uh, this Mm -hmm. is going to be another crazy offseason with quarterbacks so who knows Mm -hmm. all right so we're through the nfc 16 teams well 15 because you don't include the niners right And. I'm taking nine other quarterbacks. You're taking six so far. So okay. let's go over to the AFC. Um, AFC West,
0: Mahomes. We don't have to talk about that one. Yeah. That's
1: definite. That's definite. All right. Um, Derek Carr. What's the difference there, Zane?
2: I take Jimmy or Derek Carr because Derek Carr, uh, despite having better, in my opinion, better weapons in the past, he hasn't really done much. He had that one really good year, and then he's just like... I guess Jimmy's captain checked on too, but I mean, it just Derek Carr just doesn't win. He doesn't win at the same rate.
1: Yeah, I think that's where I'd, I'd go Jimmy there too, because Jimmy's more of a proven winner than Carr. Um, Again, I don't know the Carr's had the teams that Garoppolo has had, but I don't think I would go crazy to make that change. Mm. So I'm going to stick with Jimmy there too.
0: Uh, Drew Locke, obviously yeah. Jimmy. Yeah.
1: Here's an interesting one again. Um, Justin Herbert.
2: So Justin Herbert, this is, this is probably the most interesting one to me because he's putting up crazy numbers right now. Although obviously we know rookie quarterback coming out of Oregon. I thought he was a really polished quarterback coming out of Oregon. I thought he was going to be one of the better quarterbacks in the draft. And he's turning out to be one of the better quarterbacks, the, one of the better rookie quarterbacks right now. And he's playing in, in LA with the Chargers and putting up all these great numbers, but he's one in four as a starting quarterback. So I think it's great that you're putting up all these numbers, but it's like your your team still isn't winning. So is it a product of you just racking up like garbage time numbers? Is it a product of you having to throw the football all the time because you have no system and no running back? Uh, we know that Austin Eckler is hurt. He's been hurt. So more of it has fallen on Herbert to throw and make plays. So he's only a rookie. He's only played four games. I still say Jimmy because you're going over, uh, basically going with production over potential at that point. And I'll go with Jimmy.
1: So his last three games, um, the Chargers have, have lost at Tampa, thirty-eight to thirty-one, at New Orleans, thirty to twenty-seven, and then they beat Jacksonville, who's garbage, thirty-nine to twenty-nine. Man, um, it's just it's hard for me to take a rookie, I guess, because again, we don't know teams could catch up to him, and then and then maybe he starts to not play as well. I love his skill set, I do. I'll go with Jimmy though. That's hard for me. I sh- that shouldn't be hard for me, but that's hard for me. I just, I watch Herbert play and he just has a wow factor to me, but I'm going to go with Jimmy. All mm-hmm. right. Uh, Sean Watson.
0: Oh, I mean, Watson. Yeah. Yeah. All day. All day. Uh, Minshew. No, no. Philip
2: Rivers. No. No. Right. No. I we're talking Not about that. no. Ryan Tannehill. I'd take Jimmy over Tannehill because Tannehill is basically doing the same thing that Jimmy is um, with slightly better weapons, like with better downfield weapons. He's got uh, Brown and, and Corey Davis. So I think that those receivers to me right now are better than the receivers that the Niners have at this moment.
1: Um, so I, I take, uh, I take Jimmy. I gotta take Jimmy there. I, I just don't think Tannehill that big of an upgrade to, to really make a move there. Mm. Um, Kind of the same dude, like you said, in terms of what they're doing on the team, play a lot of play action, relies
0: on the running game, that sort of thing. Ah, uh, Roethlisberger.
2: So Ben, Ben is Ben. I mean, he's so erratic. So it depends on like what you want. Like you, you want to play with your hair on fire all game and and win forty to thirty eight with five interceptions and four touchdowns, or what do you want to do? So I think. Um, because of the, I I love Ben Roethlisberger, and I think he's a really good quarterback at this point in his career. I just I, I think that the reliability factor of because he'll throw a pick to lose your game. That's the difference is that he will lose you a game. Uh, Jimmy won't lose you games, and I'll take I'll take Jimmy over Ben.
1: Well, I disagree with that so much. Ben's a Hall of Famer.
2: The Steelers <laughs> were eight and
1: eight last year with the loaded team without him. They're six and zero oh right now. Ben is a stud. Jimmy <laughs> does lose you games. He lost you the Arizona game. He lost you the Super Bowl, maybe. Oh, I disagree with that so much. I, ben, I even wrote Ben down for you, Zane, and I'm crossing it out right now. I gotta cross it out. All right. Oh my god, Ben 150 times. Ben. But
2: but he didn't he didn't lose you the Super Bowl, though. So the Super Bowl lost. He so, didn't I win mean, it for you. you go, okay. Yeah, he Bowl didn't Bowl he didn't lose it for you, but won.
1: he he did not win that game. If Ben if Ben is I, Ben wins that game. Ben Rothsberger is a Hall of Famer who wins that game. I really feel that way. I don't even. Oh, I yeah. To Let, me Let me change my vote. Let me change my vote. Let me change you have a my bend vote. Let me put Ben down.
2: I have one redo. I have okay. one redo. I'll use my, I'll use my redo here. Okay. I change the, the All right. Uh, the next one, Lamar
0: Jackson. Yeah, I take Lamar Jackson. Yeah. I
2: mean, he's he's a running back who's playing quarterback, but and he has a lot to learn in terms of throwing the ball. But I mean, like right. the the dual threat. You got to take Lamar Jackson.
0: Agree. 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 Uh, Baker Mayfield. Uh, Jimmy. I'm not a big major Mayfield fan. Yeah, I agree. Joe Burrow. Jimmy. Jimmy, Jimmy or Joe Burrow. He's just a rookie. You know, this is another one. I I don't know. I don't know because Burrows look good so far, right? But production, production over potential. All
1: right. I got to think about this. So again, I guess if we said we're going to push, we're going to take Jimmy, right? Yeah. Okay. All right. So we pushed on Burrow, Sam Darnold,
0: right? Not even talking about it. Tua, we don't know yet. Yeah.
2: Cam Newton. I mean, we'll count count that because we can count Tua and Cam Newton. I mean, like I take Jimmy over Cam Newton. Cam Newton is a shell of his former self. Like he was, he
0: was so bad on the weekend. All right. The last one, Zane,
2: Josh Allen. Oh man, this is hard because Josh Allen is playing so well and i'm not a big josh allen fan admittedly like but he's playing so well and he's like playing at an mvp level and he somewhat did it last year
0: too uh, so this is maybe
2: um i'm gonna go push i'm gonna push i know that josh Allen's is playing at mvp level right now but i just I, you know they got to show it to me for more than seven games in buffalo and and make the playoffs and do something in the playoffs so, uh, I'm going to go Jimmy.
1: Yeah, I agree. And, and Alan struggled a little bit now that they're disguising defenses against him. He's been struggling a little bit more. So again, he played great. They adjusted. Let's see what happens. So with that, again, even if it's a push, you got to go Jimmy with the push. So I had 13 quarterbacks over him. You had 10. It's about right. Right. Yeah. All right. So 14 overall. I guess the thing with Jimmy, and you mentioned, why don't you get into the wins now? Because you were talking about the win percentage and everything like that. So we say he's maybe middle tier in terms of what kind of quarterback he is, but, but talk about the win percentage you were talking about. Sure. Yeah. So Jimmy is
2: number four all time in win percentage of quarterbacks and only that have a minimum of 30 starts. And he's won 76% of his games. So he's ahead of everybody except for Lamar Jackson, Mahomes, and Brady every other quarterback in NFL history who started at least 30 games which includes Rodgers, Breeze, Russell Wilson who's all, who's right behind him but i think that when it comes down to any other quarterback or any of these quarterbacks they don't win besides Mahomes uh, but besides Mahomes Brady and Lamar Jackson they don't win at the same rate that Jimmy does so when we're looking at we have an interesting conversation with uh, my buddy Akash on Twitter today uh, who also hosted the show a couple of weeks ago about where the bar is for Jimmy and the bar is not Brian Hoyer, CJ Beathard and Nick Mullins. The bar is the better quarterbacks. But even if you stack up the better quarterbacks in terms of winning percentage and the discussion with surrounding winning percentage, what Kyle has done with Jimmy versus other quarterbacks, when you stack him up, Jimmy's better than most of the quarterbacks in the league. I mean, he's winning 76% of the starts, which is an absurd amount of wins. And, uh, the, the best percentage that we've seen here in San Francisco ever better than Joe Montana, better than Steve Young, better than Jeff Garcia, better than Alex Smith, better than anybody. I'm not comparing him to those guys in terms of like winning and what he's accomplished. I'm putting that into context. Now, obviously like the Super Bowl wins and things like that need to come and all that stuff needs to build itself out. And how much of this is Kyle Shanahan's scheme. But my question is, is why didn't this scheme at least make the other guys look like serviceable NFL quarterbacks when none of them were really that serviceable? That's the question I have.
1: Yeah, and that's a good point because they are 4-21 with the other two guys, right? So with Beathard, with Mullins, with Hoyer, so the other three guys should say, you know, Shanahan has, has a terrible record or whatever he is, 5-21, and 21, whatever he is. And with Jimmy, they have this great record. But here's the point I was going to bring up with Alex Smith. Alex Smith with Jim Harbaugh. What do you what do you think his record was?
2: Alex Smith with Harbaugh was okay. So he was thirteen and three that one year, and he was seven and two the next year. I think. I think um, he was he had five losses, I believe. I think, and uh, he he had he was what twenty and five or something.
1: That's really good off the top of your head, dude. That's impressive. What, he was twenty six and was, yeah, one I mean, in the playoffs. With okay. <laughs> So yeah, 26 and one with the playoffs and Jimmy's 24 and eight in the playoffs. So I guess, and I'm just playing devil's advocate here just for the sake of a discussion. The Niners tried to upgrade from Alex Smith and eventually did, or they thought they did with Kaepernick, right? Oh. So the argument with Alex Smith was, yeah, he, you can win, you can win, you can win, but he's kind of limited. Doesn't throw the ball really well downfield. If the Niners upgraded, they could, and it's what they constantly try to do with Peyton Manning with, with Colin Kaepernick. So I think that's the argument I think a lot of people think with Jimmy. Jimmy's winning, but can he do? is he doing anything different than those other 13 quarterbacks or whoever we had ahead of him? Would he do anything different than a Derek Carr or Ryan Tannehill who's a push with him? Is he just kind of a, a, a middle-tier good quarterback?
0: And is that enough? Maybe that's enough. I don't know.
2: Yeah, so that's an, that, when I look back at Alex Smith's time here and I look back at that Super Bowl that they lost to Kaepernick, I fully believe that if Alex Smith started that game, they would have won. They would have won that game. And the reason why is because everything is so boom or bust with Colin Kaepernick and everything was so like all or nothing with him. Like you were going to get spectacular plays or they were just going to go into a shell for a few quarters and then never come out. We saw that earlier that same season when they played in Seattle. I was at that game in Seattle. And before you knew it, they were down like 21 nothing because Kaepernick, he couldn't complete a pass. So, really it depends on what you want out of the quarterback position. If you want like a steady guy who's not going to wow you, not going to like light the stat sheet up, but is dependable then yeah. Alex Smith type quarterback that when he left here, that's the type of guy that you want. Jimmy's not even at that level yet because he still makes too many dumb mistakes. That's my issue with him is that he still throws really dumb passes sometimes and the, what are you thinking Jimmy passes? And I think that my issue with people trying to critique him is that you eventually have to let these guys grow. Like if we're looking at all 22s of every single completion and talking about like, Oh, well there's this guy missed here. And this was his hot read that he missed. Number one, like, look, Al, I'm no pro quarterback. Like the last time I played quarterback was in high school. Okay. So, but even I can tell you that even in high school, our hot reads for every game were different. Like, even if you're running the same route, your hot read on the same route can be different or some hot read on the same route concept can be different because if you look at what they did last year and the plays that they ran last year kyle shannon likes to recycle his plays right he likes to bring back plays that he's used before that worked so there have been a bunch of plays last year that he's used and he's bringing them back in this year because they were successful and if you go with the same sort of route concept and the same hot read don't you think that oppo- opposing coordinators are going to catch up on that don't you think they're going to look at last year's film and be like oh they had the same exact formation and look same exact route, route concept so the hot read and everything is going we're going to send a blitzer to cover up a hot read and that's it. The play's done. Kyle knows this. Kyle is a super intelligent coach. He's one of the most intelligent offensive minds I've ever seen in my life. So he's obviously going to keep, keep things changed up and, and keep them on their toes. He's not going to keep the same route concept with the same blocking scheme with the same hot read. I have little offshoots, little nuances, he'll add to that stuff to keep the defense off balance. So to say that like, oh, well. Jimmy's missing his reads or like this guy was wide open when Jimmy's like running for his life behind the behind the line scrim He's like to me like I want people to do that with every single quarterback in this league do it with all 32 quarterbacks and do it with the quarterbacks that not necessarily like the elite ones like Brady, Russell Wilson and Mahomes do it with the normal above average quarterback in the NFL and see how many guys they miss we think that Jimmy's the only guy that misses guys that are open we think that he's the only guy that needs a scheme to be successful in Every single quarterback needs it to a certain extent. And if we keep uh, criticizing and, and expecting certain things out of him, we're only going to get more frustrated. We have to be patient with this, okay? He's only had one season as a starter. And despite the fact that he's X amount of years old, 28 years old, time on the bench does not equal time playing. So to me, Alec, I think that we just got to pump the brakes a little bit with our analysis of Jimmy, not you and me, but like in general, 49ers Twitter and 49ers to pump their brakes a little bit. Let this guy develop. Let him go through his lumps. I feel like Kaz Shanahan takes, takes the ball away from him at times, and that's to Jimmy's detriment. He's never going to learn like that. Like He threw the pick against the Patriots, and all of a sudden, as soon as that happened, I, I was watching the game with my dad. And I turned to him, and I'm like, they're going to take the ball out of his hands, and that's exactly what happened. It was run, 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 which was great because it was working, but the byproduct of that is that Jimmy is also not growing because he's not learning from that mistake. So, really, like, I I question, like, are they even developing him properly? Are they giving him the proper chance? Or is Kyle just kind of taking the reins here and taking the ball out of his hands? It's like, look, I'm not going to let you make a mistake. I'm going to keep keep the handcuffs off you, keep the training wheels on you, and you're just going to run my system and you're just not going to grow.
1: Yeah, it does definitely look at times like Shanahan either loses trust in him or or takes the ball out of his hand or that sort of thing. So you know, it's a fair argument. I just think I think we're going to find out a lot in the next nine games or whatever it is, especially in the next three. Because as good as the defense has been playing, and we'll get into the defense, the Niners are gonna have to score to score to beat Seattle. They're going to have to score to beat the Packers. They're going to have to score to be beat, to be beat, um, the Saints. So we're going to see. We're gonna, we're going to see if this offense is going to get going. I know Debo's out, but like we said, it's. Ayuk's looking good and Kittle's there and, and, and let's see what happens with that. But we're, we're going to find out a lot. I know, I know we've been talking about Jimmy at nauseam, but that's, that's kind of the story right now. But to, change, to t- change things and flip it around a little bit, this defense, Zane, so we've been saying as well, we're going to find out about Jimmy. We've been saying we're going to find out about Robert Sala, right? Yeah. So the, the defense so far with him, other than the game against Miami, which to me now just kind of looks like one of those games that you just kind of throw it out the window. It was just one of those crazy games they're not getting a lot of sacks. They're 22nd in the NFL. They only have 12 sacks, but they're fifth in pressure percentage, 27%, and third in hurry percentage, 13.9%. They have forced 10 turnovers, which is top 10 in the league. They've shut down the Patriots who, I mean, don't have a good offense, but the Rams are a good team and they shut them down too. Again, we're going to find out a lot in the next three weeks, but you can't say enough. I mean, it's crazy how well this defense has played, right?
2: Yeah. I think Robert Sala has done such a good job with the injuries and everything that's happened with the, the decimated defense. This group has been hit so hard. I can't even count the number of starters. And it's just Warner Greenlaw. Um, gosh, Mosley's back Varette, I guess you can call him a starter and Armstead. And that's it, right? I believe that's and maybe DJ Jones. So you got over half of your defense that's injured and out, and there's still a top five defense. And if it weren't for that bad, terrible Miami game, and literally Allen one play, or one player basically giving up 21 points on his own, that number would be a lot better too. So the job that he's done, I know I, know I give him a lot of flack and I know I say that I'm not a huge solid believer, but I feel like he's really growing as a coach. And that's really too bad because I think that he'll be considered for some head coaching jobs in the off season. And it sucks because he, I feel like he's coming into his own as a coordinator. Had he had some of the experience and knowledge that he has now with varying up schemes and bringing pressure, like he's blitzing at a rate that he's never blitzed before. He's having to bring pressure. And he's having the blitz guys like Fred Warner. He doesn't typically like to blitz his linebackers. It's usually corners and safeties, but he's bringing Warner as well. And Warner, by the way, playing like a, a defensive player of the year candidate. He's been fantastic. Easily, easily the best player on the 49ers defense. Behind Kittle, probably the second best player on the team right now, I'd say. And he's been fantastic. So the job that Sal has done has been fantastic. It's going to be a huge test this weekend with Russell Wilson. I don't think they'll be able to stop him, but they can maybe contain him. And force a few punts and play ball control, and that's that's how you're going to win the game. But they've been playing complimentary football the last two games. The last two games, the offense has been moving the ball, keeping keeping the clock going. You know, and they've given up. Yeah, so uh, okay, we'll sorry. we'll we'll see what happens with Russell Wilson. We'll see if they can they can contain him. But um, the, they've been playing complimentary football. The offense has been keeping the ball, keeping the clock going. The defense has been getting off the field when they need to. They've been better on third downs, although they don't have the sacks. They still getting they're still getting pressure. Javon Kinlaw has been developing very nicely. Although he doesn't have sacks, he's getting pressure. So I think that really they're doing as well as they can with this underman unit. And they're getting people back as the season goes on. So that's encouraging.
1: Yeah, they've given him 19.4 points per game, which is fifth best in the league right now. And people, the argument is, well, they haven't played anybody. That's what people have said. Well, they played was on their schedule. Mm -hmm. What, what, What do you want them to do? They've played well against the teams who they've played. They gave up 24 to Arizona in week one, 13 to the Jets. 9 to the Giants, 25 to the Eagles, 43 to the Dolphins that game, you know, was a shit show, we know that. 16 to the Rams and 6 to the Patriots. The Rams are the Rams are a really good football team. I mean, you watch the Rams play Zane, they're they're a good football team. Yeah. Niners dominated a lot of that game. So, they've played really well. We'll find out what they're made of at Seattle versus the Packers at the Saints. But even if they struggle there, again, look at the people that are out. They they've done I feel like they've done what they can do. And now, I think in these next three games, the offense is going to have to start picking up a little bit. The defense still have to hold, hold their part. I mean, they can be giving up 40 points a game, but they can do enough. Now, you have to hope the offense can come in and put up 30 points a game and keep the team, keep the team in it. That's what I think it's going to take for the next three.
2: Yeah, we said this before the season started, When actually not before, but when Bosa got hurt, when D Ford went out, we said that the offense is going to have to pick up the slack. And at that time, they really weren't ready because they didn't have an identity. And I think that Kyle got away a little bit from what the Niners are good at and running the ball and just being a power run team because they wanted to throw a little bit more. And that's not who they are. That's not their identity. They're a power running team that plays defense. And that's kind of contrary to like Kyle Shanahan's high flying sort of big scheme that he had in Atlanta, but you don't have the same personality. You have to change the scheme. So the offense really is going to have to carry the load uh, the next little while at least. I think Camon Williams has practice window activated and uh they are getting jordan reed back possibly this week we'll find out closer to the game so he's gonna get a little bit of help on both sides of the ball and i think that getting jordan reed in there is gonna be a huge help because then you have two capable tight ends when he played in new york like he was fantastic in in those games and he was really good and he became a kind of like a safety outlet for jimmy especially in the red zone so excited about that but really they're gonna have to continue to try to run the ball and with basically all of their running backs out. You're down to Jamichael Hasty and Jarek McKinnon. Tevin Coleman has practice window opened up as well. The hope is that he can play, but you don't have any running backs. I think they're going to have to activate more receivers. You're probably going to see Kevin White and or Pettis active on the weekend, and they may not be able to run the ball as well just because Hasty's a little bit different runner than Jeff Wilson was and less of a bruiser, more of a, a quicker sort of scat back. But offense is going to be the name of the game. Defense is going to have to hold them in it, and not get blown out, but offense is going to have to win the game. And I guess we're going to find out a lot about Jimmy. We're going to find out about, a lot about Kyle and how much he can help Jimmy. Dude, I love Hasty.
0: Mm-hmm. I really do. He's just a fun guy to watch.
2: Yeah. What's up with these practice squad running backs that they're bringing in, and just they turn them into the stars?
1: <laughs> Dude, that's why I'm on team never pay a running back, ever. Yeah. Look at what they pay for McKinnon and Coleman, and you got Moster and Hasty and Wilson. You don't have to pay for running backs, especially with Kyle. Just get him off the street. Put me, me and you back there. Seriously. Just get him, except having Coleman, because he, <laughs> he apparently can't run anywhere. Yeah. The Niners, okay. I got to pull this up real quick. Coleman's averaging, like I think it's like 1.8 yards per carry. Okay. So this season, right? All right. The running backs. Mostert's at 5.9. Casey's at 5.2. Use checks at 5.1. McKinnon, 4.8. Wilson, 4.3. Garoppolo, 3.5. Tevin Coleman 1.7. That's where we're at right now with Tevin <laughs> Coleman. I mean, I just, uh, how, how can they put him back out there? Yeah.
2: Tevin Coleman, well, he's in a contract year. Remember that. They signed him in a two year deal before last year. So if this is a contract year. They're not going to bring him back. I think he's done. And he had that one decent stretch that started with the Carolina game last year. Coincidentally, when the when Niners were wearing their 94 throwback whites, which they will also be wearing against Seattle. And ever since then, he got hurt. He had an ankle injury and he started the Super Bowl. But really, he just hasn't really been dependable or a, a huge factor. So again, like you said, you don't pay for running backs. He's on a two-year, $9 million deal. They're going to recoup $4.5 four off the books when he's gone. So uh, you're going to see probably Casey Wilson, and Mostert next year. I think
1: McKinnon's gone too. So Coleman... Oh yeah, McKinnon's definitely gone. Definitely gone. Coleman is 18 carries, 30 yards. He needs a long of 10. So his other 17 carries, he has 20 yards. That's bad. One yard and in the Kevin Bar—he's on the Kevin Barlow deal. One yard and fall down right now <laughs> is what it looks like. So yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Do you think they're going to do anything at the trade deadline? Do you see anything going on?
2: No, they—they they did trade for that uh, pass rusher from the Jets, uh, Jordan Willis. It's nice to have a Willis back on the on the defense, isn't it? <laughs> so right. They, they traded for him. And they traded a sixth round pick, got back a seventh round pick. So essentially you just slide down a few spots, but they just don't have the cap room. They have like five dollars of cap room. So the Seattle trade that went for Carlos Dunlap this week, where they are basically paying his salary this year, or I guess a couple million this year, and, and have that option for 14 million next year is the one-year rental. The Niners could not have even done that. So I I don't think they're in a the position to do that because they just don't have the cap room. We're gonna see a lot of maneuvering over the offseason to free up some cap space for them to get some more reinforcements. You're going to see some guys walk that you may not, some familiar faces walk. And uh, really in order to do that, they need to be prudent at this deadline in order to resign, whoever they can the offseason. season. Uh, they can't be accumulating, accumulating salary for a, another rental last year, Emmanuel Sanders. They made that trade because they thought they were one player away and they thought that they were, they were that player away and they got them really close. The Niners typically don't mm-hmm. do that. They got them very, very close, literally within, he would have been the deciding factor if he caught that touchdown from Jimmy at the end of the Super Bowl, but they came so close and it did pay off because the offense really took off, specifically Debo really took off after that. So I think that really worked, Right. but you're not one player away this year. It's different.
1: Yeah. If they can get somebody like a, again, a Ryan Kerrigan for cheap or something like that, but I don't, I agree with you. They don't have a lot of cap room. I I don't know if we're going to see anything. If we do, it's going to be something small. I'd like for them to do something. I'd like for them to get another pass rusher. And we talked about, you know, the pressure percentage and things like that, but they aren't getting home. Hyder's got three and a half sacks and the next closest is DJ Jones with two. Armstead has a sack and a half, which, you know, again, after last year's season, you hoped he was going to kind of continue that. He hasn't in terms of getting to the quarterback before he's getting paid. I guess he needs to. And then there's five guys with one. So, so you really don't have those big sack guys right now. Where would they be without Kerry Hyder? Could you imagine? Oh, man. I have no idea what they would do.
2: Even the backups to the backups got hurt. Ziggy Ansah got hurt, right? And right now they have Deon Jordan, who's like, okay, but he's basically like a body, but he's not really giving you much. So, yeah, it's just been so, it's been comical.
0: All
1: right, Zane, who gets your game ball for last game?
2: Game balls, Okay, so game balls, I'm going to go with Jeff Wilson was the FedEx ground player of the week. He had three touchdowns, 130 yards. He was fantastic. He showed that he can carry the load at least for one game. He's earned snaps over McKinnon when he gets back, in my opinion. And if he gets back before Mostert does, Jeff Wilson is going to be a starter. A fantastic player. I've always been a big Jeff Wilson fan. Won a game for you last year against Arizona. Should have played more in the Super Bowl and probably would have been more of a factor than they, than they were thinking. And uh, I think he's a great player, great future ahead of him. I hope he stays with the Niners for a while. Jeff Wilson's like in my game ball.
1: All right. I was going to give it to Wilson, too. Let me think. Let me give it to Ayuk. If you go Wilson, I'll go Ayuk. Seven mm-hmm. targets, six catches, 115 yards. And, and we've been waiting for the Niners to have that receiver, right? The guy who's going to come in a game and, and get you six, seven catches, 110, 115 yards. It's been a while. And I, think we, I really think we have that guy in Ayuk. And you look at what he's done so far this season. That two catches, 21 yards, five for 72 for 18, three for 44, two for 12. And then he has the breakout game against the Patriots. And I think Jimmy's getting more comfortable with him. I think they're without Debo there. They're going to feature him a lot more. And I really, again, I know it's high praise, but I think this is the first legit receiver this team has had in a long time. And I think he's going to have a very productive career with the Niners.
2: Yeah. It's been fantastic. He was watching his film coming out of college. I'm like, man, just think of the way that Kyle could scheme up stuff for him. Because Debo, as you mentioned before, is kind of like more of a gadget guy. He's like a Swiss army knife. But Ayuk, he has all of those same traits with speed and catching radius on top of that. So he'll go get balls, and he won't put himself in a bad position where he's going to get hurt or anything like that because he can just snatch things out of the air. So super
1: excited about Ayuk. So if it's against the Niners this
0: week, are you going to do the same? you doing the same against Seattle? Yes.
2: Yes. (laughs) I won't. Uh, Look. Uh, and this, is not against, this is not anything against the Niners. I just think that Russell Wilson is that good. I don't think he's going to have two bad games in a row. He threw three picks in his last game, including basically the game losing pick in overtime, which should have been the case here last year where he threw the pick to Greenlaw. But I think it would be hard pressed for the Niners to win in Seattle. They're pissed off. They know that they kind of have a, a dogfight in this division. Pete Carroll always gets his guys up for the 49ers game. That's such an important game for him for whatever reason, even if it's not a rivalry. And I just don't think they'll be able to stop Russell Wilson. I think that he's going to run wild. They still have problems with running quarterbacks. I'm shocked that New England didn't run Cam Newton more this past week in that game. But I think that Seattle was going to get Russell Wilson on the move, not necessarily to to run the ball, but to also throw it too. And it's just going to give the 49ers defense fits. Uh, Without Debo, he killed Seattle last year. He was the most productive receiver against them. They couldn't stop him. Without Debo, I think it's going to be hard pressed to move the ball as much as they did. Without running backs, I think it's going to be even, even harder. It's going to fall on Jimmy. And we're probably going to, have to be having another Jimmy discussion next week about like, oh, you know, is this guy, the guy. <laughs> in that game.
1: Yeah, and it's, as much as I want to pick them, as much as I think the Niners have looked tremendous the past couple of weeks. Peter Schrager from NFL Network said, we talk talking about who the Niners have to play. Well, these teams have to play the Niners too with the way the Niners are playing. But listen, Seattle's just, with Wilson, that offense is so good. I think it's going to be a track meet. I don't know if they can keep up without Debo, like you said, without the running backs. I said they need to get to five and five by the bye to really have a chance at this thing. I think they'll get there, but I think it's going to be four and five for this week too. And, and, it's, and the Niners are going to lose. And, and like Zane said, we're probably going to end up having a spirited discussion again next week because if Jimmy doesn't keep them in this game, right? This, this is why you get, a, you get a quarterback like that. This is what you need your franchise quarterback to do, come in and play a big game. And if he doesn't do that, well, we'll see where we are next week, Zane, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, Seattle's defense is historically bad right now, though. So they have a chance.
1: It is terrible. They're so bad. It is terrible,
2: right? Their defense is awful. That's why I'm not really afraid of Seattle in the playoffs because they don't have a championship defense. It's not even close. Even with Jamal Adams, they were terrible. So with Jamal Adams, they went from a a really terrible defense and with them out, they went to a historically terrible defense. Like they They were on pace to give up the most completions and yards in NFL history over the, it was just, they've been so bad and they haven't been able to stop anybody and they have no pass rush. The linebackers can't cover. Trey flowers has just been abused at corner. Jamal Adams may not play. Mm -hmm. So this is the chance for the 49ers and Kyle to really take advantage of a really bad defense and have their way with them. And I think that's going to be your hope is that you have to keep Russell Wilson on the sideline. Because if he starts chucking the ball down the field To Lockett and Metcalf Who are two very good receivers by the way That are underrated Metcalf I think is going to be a star unfortunately But Tyler Lockett is a really underrated receiver On the other end If you let him do that and give him time to throw It's game over for you They're not going to be able to stop them So if you get into a shootout You won't be able to win The only way you win is you keep the score low Play ball control and play, de- and play some sort of defense By keeping the ball away from Russell Wilson It's the only way you're going to win this
1: well, at least Seattle's not going to have that home field advantage this year, right? It's going to be nice and quiet, and Niner's going to have to worry about dealing with that. So, um, we'll see what happens there. But again, I think it's going to be—it's going to come down to Jimmy, and it's going to come down to this offense, and and we'll we'll see what happens with that. Um, switching gears really quick—did you watch the World Series last night? Oh, the
2: sham uh, World Series. So is LA just the king of illegitimate championships now, or what? Or is that is that what we're doing now? <laughs>
1: I mean, it is what it is, right? I mean, they won, but the Kevin Cash thing, and this is my issue with baseball right now. I don't know how many strikeouts there were last night 20 something one, but you got a pitcher who's, I mean, he was lights out. He went to hit the ball. It was soft contact. Blake Snell's cruising. He's in the sixth inning. He's got 73 pitches. He gives up kind of a dunker single. I wouldn't even call it a line drive to center field. And he comes and takes him out. And on cue, on cue, the reliever who had given up something like six games in a row with a run or something like that coughs up the lead on cue. And I couldn't have been happier about it because when you're, when when you're <laughs> going that far onto the analytical side and not trusting your eyes and not trusting what you see, that's the problem with baseball right now. And too many teams do it. I know the Dodgers are analytical too, but I was just glad that, that that moves. Cause I don't like the way baseball is headed in terms of the analytical, in terms of all the strikeouts. I just don't like it. And I was glad that that was so magnified that hopefully teams are going to take a step back and say, okay, analytics are good to an extent, but let's trust your eyes. Let's trust you what you're seeing out on the field too. I, it, I, was, I mean, I don't care if the Dodgers or the Rays, but I saw that happen and I was pissed off and I was like, I hope the Dodgers score 15 runs this inning now. And I, I was glad they, they won because of that. Yeah,
2: no, I know. I'm the same way because me being an A's fan, the A's basically invented all of this. I mean, Bill James invented we know We knew about analytics before Moneyball, but the A's made it popular with Moneyball And the early 2000s and those ACE teams that were competitive. But the difference is is that there are certain teams that have money that are using analytics, like the Dodgers and the Red Sox. They're very heavily using analytics as a supplement to what they do because you cannot win games on paper. Eventually, talent wins. The Red Sox and the Dodgers are two of the most talented teams in the league. It's not a surprise that they are two of the most recent World Series champions. And you cannot. Expect that you're going to take the human element out of the game and you're going to all of a sudden start playing on a computer and all spreadsheets and think that's going to work out without any sort of intuition or any sort of factoring in things like adrenaline and crowd noise and any sort of perceived injury or tired arm or anything like that that a pitcher may have or low, slower bat speed because of some twinge in the guy's wrist or anything like that. Those things aren't accounted for in analytics and it drives me nuts. And as an ace man, it drives me nuts that this is where baseball is going. Al, I will die on the hill that says that Moneyball ruined baseball. I will die on that hill. And people are like, oh, are we talk about it. Stay in your lane. You know, just stick to football. No, I played baseball. I played baseball, as everybody knows. Many times on the show, I've said I played baseball in college. Okay, I was a pitcher, so I know that I know what I'm talking about. I know what I know exactly what analytics is because, ironically, analytics being an undersized guy that didn't throw too hard. They gave me an opportunity to play because they're like, all right, in this situation, you'll be better. However, you cannot use analytics and be use it as a crutch. It's supposed to be a supplement to help you make a decision. It's not supposed to make the decision for you. So when you look at Kevin Cash and what he did, taking your number one starter out of the game and a game that you have to have because the charts say that you have to have it, like you have to do this because you want to save a pitcher for the next game for whatever reason is ridiculous. You let him go for as long as you can. Your goal is to get to game seven. It doesn't matter how you get there. You have to get to a game seven. Can you imagine what the analytics would have said about Madison Bumgarner coming out in game seven on a one-day rest and pitching four innings? Or Nathan Evaldi. You remember that when he came out and pitched nine innings of a game in extras when the Dodgers played the, the Red yep. Sox? He pitched nine innings, and the analytics sheet would have been going crazy, but they, they couldn't do anything because they needed to save pitchers for the, the clinching game. And they save pitchers, the Dodgers burned all their bullpen, and they were screwed the next game. So analytics, it's not meant to make decisions for you. Like, why do we have coaches in the first place then? Just put robots out there to make decisions. Have pre-printed lineup cards, pre-printed uh, situational baseball that you're going to play. I am so against the overuse of analytics, I cannot, cannot even tell you. It's devalued the, the value of superstars it's made them expendable because you say, Oh, well we have Mike Trout. Okay. Well we have three guys that give you equivalent war and OPS and slugging. We have three guys that will give you the same output that will come at a quarter of the cost for three of them that Mike Trout does. And because of that, the game's not growing because it's not fun anymore to watch. It's like, okay, well, they're going to use some sort of weird shift or situational baseball here. Like the analytics will tell them not to throw down a bunt when you need to move runners over like a, like, for example, Billy Bean and the A's think that a bunt, uh, a sacrifice bunt is worse than a strikeout. Like, to me, how is that worse than a strikeout? Because, like, oh, well, you make the pitchers... It's pitcher. a joke. It doesn't matter. It's absurd. So, yeah, I could go on a whole rant about analytics, Al. I mean, because this is up my alley, right? Baseball, right? That's literally what I do. So, I, I just... But I just can't. I, I can't... When I see things like that, yeah, it makes me happy because there's an over-reliance on analytics. Baseball needs to fix their system. These lower level teams are using analytics to be competitive, like the A's and the Rays. They're benefiting off revenue sharing and all this other stuff from the richer teams. They need to cut that out. The, the, the smaller teams need to spend some money. The A's have some of the richest ownership in baseball. Spend some money, get competitive, and let's get some some more balance in this league. Honestly, that's just, it's it's ridiculous.
1: Nerds. Nerds are ruining baseball. And I was watching Moneyball the other night. It's funny you say that because it's on Netflix. And I was on, it was like 11 o'clock the other night. I had it on. You watch that movie and they make it seem like the A's were the bad news bears. Yeah, they lost Giambi and Damon. Their starting rotation was Zito, Hudson, and Mulder, like mm-hmm. all in their prime. They mm-hmm. still had Tajada, They still had Chavez. They still had uh, Ramon Hernandez. They still had Jermaine Dye. They were still a loaded team. It's yeah. not like they were like, you know, this terrible team that won all these games because of analytics The movie's so stupid. It's ridiculous. Yeah. doesn't tell the story at all what really happened. You have three of the top starting pitchers in the league. That's why you won 100 games that year.
2: Yeah, so yeah, i great. have a little anecdote. So, yeah, I'm right there. A few minutes left before because we're a little bit, a little bit short of our normal recording time. So I think we can probably go in a little bit on tangents. But uh, nine understand. Feel free to drop out of this if you want. Because it's going to regard the A's. But, <laughs> but uh, actually, <laughs> nobody's losing anymore. We lose, we lose listeners. So keep staying this. But um, so as you know, like growing up playing baseball and stuff, like going to college, I got I got a scholarship to play. So when I was when I was in college, like every college kid's dream when you're playing baseball to get drafted, right? So I'm like, scouts are coming to our games. Like, all right, I look good, whatever. So eventually a couple of my buddies, my buddies get drafted by the A's and they end up in the A's farm system. And at this time I was living in the Pacific Northwest. I was going to college up in, uh, up in Washington, in central Washington. And the A's farm team was in Vancouver, which is where my family lived at the time. And we went, I would go back during the summertime and like, that was time for ball. And these guys, they stayed with us. Like they lived with us. Uh, you know, like, Teams bill up players. Like, do you have like host families or whatever? Like for for my movies and stuff yep. like that. We were part of that program, so we had we had four four players, two sets each. And the first two guys who I, who I was friends with, um, they kind of gave me a behind the scenes look at the way that the A's are run. And this is around the time of the Moneyball movie coming out. Remember that, or the Moneyball movement coming out. This was two thousand and three. So they're playing, and the the Vancouver team is like doing all these things, and like. Uh, Andre Ethier was on that team at one point, and he got moved up. Chris Suzuki was also on that team. And he got moved up too. So what they would do is they show me their pitching charts and their hitting charts. And their analytics basically told me that, oh, it's not as successful at bat until you make the pitcher throw at least six pitches. We don't care what you do. You need to make them throw pitches because they got, they, they're getting them used to watching the ball go by them to have a good eye so that when they get to the show, they're able to do that. And even if a guy hits a home run on the first pitch, it's looked down upon. It's kind of frowned upon. And there were so many players that were in that system that they got rid of because they didn't look at the ball enough. They didn't have the opposing pitcher throwing up pitches. Like it's almost like like a I would say like a cult, if you will, from the beginning where they had the so, entire minor league system buying into this program, and they would only draft guys into that. Like if you read the Moneyball book, like Jeremy Brown and these guys, like the Fat Catcher. If you, if you read the book, he was drafting the system because he was like, oh well, he's we're gonna yes, I did, yeah. Three. So that's, that's what I'm talking about. They put guys out of position and didn't give them the best chance to succeed. And now you're changing guys' games. Like the pitchers, like they, they had a specific role for them and like specifically more so hitting. They didn't, they didn't want guys bunting at all. They didn't want you to bunt. So when it came time to try to lay a bunt down and look, I'm, I'm at all of the games, right? Cause we get tickets, right? So I'm at every single game that summer. I'm chilling. I'm enjoying it. And I'm sitting there behind the plate watching these guys try to lay down sacrifice bunts when they can't even do it. And my God, you guys are professionals, not my friends, but like the guys on the team. And it's because they don't emphasize it. They want them to hit. They want them to, it goes all the way down through the seven levels of minor leagues. It goes all the way down. And that's the reason why the A's will never win a championship unless they start to open up their pockets and change their philosophy a little bit. Because this is not a philosophy that will win you any games in the World Series. You can win a game over the the course of a season because there are ebbs and flows. But when you have to have a game, you can't rely on home runs. You have to be able to move run or over. You have to be able to sacrifice bunt. You have right. to be able to manufacture runs. And the A's don't do that. And you're taught that at a, at a young age in the minor league system. Because I've seen it.
0: What college did you pitch for? So I, so I played two years in Canada. And uh, I, played, uh, I played a year at Central Washington. Oh, the, man, the Wildcats. Was you. you were, you were starting pitcher or really pitcher? <laughs> I, I, <was laughs> early, I came out of the bullpen.
1: You know, I'm cool, dude. good for Which, you. How did you pitch in college, you know you play a little bit. So,
2: I mean, I, I didn't throw hard, right? I threw
1: like you know uh, the guys were throwing like nineties. I was
2: throwing like like low eighties, right? So I'm not. I'm, I was literally Greg Maddox, and he, Greg Maddox is actually my favorite <laughs> pitcher. But but um, <laughs> for me, it was an adjustment because in high school and all the way up, I was a starting pitcher, right? So you get the ball at the beginning of the game. The only game that I started in college was our in uh, my freshman year. We had a semifinal game and we didn't have any pitchers. Um, we had a semifinal game in the, in the, the tournament to win this, the state and, and our conference. So um, our starting pitchers were all done because we, were, we burned them trying to get there. So I started the semifinal game, won it, got us home, uh, home field for the final series, and we ended up winning the championship. So um, that's my, my highlight of my college career, I guess. Complete game, too,
1: by the way Zane's glory days. <laughs> Zane's glory days. All right. Well, if you stuck with us That's this, my this far and listen to That's Zane's glory, glory days, we, we appreciate it. Um, And listen, let's hope we're both wrong about the game this week and let's hope the Niners pull this out and we're coming back in the show five and three looking really good, but we'll see what happens. But until next week for Zane, this is Al. Thanks everybody. Bye.